people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. You may be wondering today why our reader didn't read the gospel, and that was because the pastor hadn't decided, excuse me, get, get a range, uh, the pastor hadn't decided what the gospel was going to be, because the first part of this gospel is something we already kind of covered in Advent. In fact, we get John the Baptist twice in Advent, different parts of this same reading, but without, of course, the baptism of Jesus, that key part that comes at the end. And so today I wanted to talk about uh, the promises that we have in baptism that I kind of mentioned a little bit in the children's sermon. So the sermon title, Saying and Doing, is a little misleading, but it kind of talks about what we're going to be doing today. In this service, we're going to be saying, there's going to be more of a sermon preached today through the Word. In the second service, in 11 o'clock service, there will be almost no sermon, but the, ser- but the sermon, the preaching, will be sort of a doing. We're going to have several different blessings that go on. So even for you who are gathered here at 8.30 or even watching at home, you may want to tune in twice today. We'll be live streaming that service as well. Now there are lots of promises that are given to us, lots of gifts that are given to us, I should say, in baptism. But I want to cover just a few of those today, and I... I kind of had to come up with six because we're going to be doing this art project later in our first confirmation class, and a block of wood has six sides. So six promises. You can add more to it if you, if you like. But one of the things that we talk about when we talk about baptism is we talk about this gift of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a, a beautiful thing. And by the way, I, don't, I think I kind of screwed up the slides, so if we have sermon slides for this, we can go to forgiveness. If not, that's fine. All right. We'll stay on there, but visualize it anyway. Forgiveness is one of the great gifts that we get in baptism. And it sounds great, and we talk about it, and it's a church word, and maybe people hear about forgiveness. But in our culture today, forgiveness has such amazing power. And it is such a necessary gift that comes in baptism. And of course, all of these gifts are gifts that we continue to unwrap again and again on a daily basis. In fact, Martin Luther suggested to us, I don't know, more than a suggestion, he implored us to die and rise in Christ every day. So I don't know if you get out of bed and you confess your sins for the day and then receive God's word of forgiveness, but that's kind of how he started every day. But we've kind of created this culture without forgiveness. We, we love comeback stories. There's actually, did you see that? I don't know if it's come out yet, but there's actually a movie coming out about the life of Tammy Faye Baker. Right? Do you remember the Bakers in the, what was it, in the 80s and maybe a little bit in the 90s? Tammy Faye with the incredible amount of makeup and Jim with his kind of scheming ways. I would say that, that at least Jim, if not both of them, really kind of stole or cajoled a lot of money from a lot of people, millions and millions of dollars, over the years in the name of God. So we love this comeback story because we're going to have this kind of movie about this person who, if they were doing these things at this point, probably would be kind of canceled out. So we love comeback stories, but we also love 
to kind of put people on the cross, if you will. We love to crucify. We love to sacrifice at the altar of whatever kind of ideal there might be. We love to, to sacrifice people. And so we've created what a lot of times people call a cancel culture. And it's a dangerous thing when that's your culture because it leads to hiding. It leads to fear of messing up, even making one mistake or even thinking about the mistakes you may have made years and years ago. Now, nobody probably cares about canceling me or canceling you, but it does definitely happen among people who are fairly famous. And cancel culture actually has kind of an interesting history and has kind of a usefulness. In the Birmingham uh, uh, bus boycott, in that kind of, you know, some people call it the launching of the civil rights movement. I think that maybe happened a little earlier. But anyway, one of the big kind of launchings of the civil rights movement, the bus kind of institution was canceled, if you will. In other words, people ignored it. They stayed away from it. They arranged rides and uh, were effective in bringing about change in how things were done. They weren't trying to eliminate the bus system, though they were trying to reform it. And that's exactly what that call to accountability is supposed to be. Not to sacrifice someone, not to uh, eliminate them entirely, but to reform, to bring about change. And that really is a forgiveness culture. That's the culture we're called into in this gift of baptism. Cancel culture based on fear, it's based on threat. Forgiveness culture is based on joy and abundance and trust. The second gift, belonging. I get this question sometimes when around baptism, especially baptism of young people who can kind of answer for themselves, which we'll have at the 11 o'clock service. You get this question like, well, what is baptism? And you say, well, it's an adoption. It's a grafting into God's family. You become part of the people of God. And sometimes the question I get back is, well, aren't all people people of God? Well, that's true. You know how you become a child of God? You're born. That's how you become a child of God, right? Everyone in the world is a child of God. But baptism becomes like this party that's going on to actually live that out. I, had a, I, had a, I have a, um, a cousin of my mother's who's um, been on Broadway for quite a while. And he was, my, my sister and brother-in-law were visiting him. And they were walking down after his show. He was in the uh, Broadway musical Come From Away, if you've heard of that. Great story. Anyway, they're walking after his show in New York City. And he just kind of turns to this door kind of in this alley or at the start of this alley and they go upstairs in this kind of nondescript place and all of a sudden it opens into this big room. Well, just before he opened the door, he looked at them and he said, you may see some famous people here. This, he said, when Harrison Ford is in New York City, oftentimes he drops by this place, I mean, big stars he was kind of naming off. He said, just act natural, don't necessarily approach them kind of thing, right? So nobody else would have known where this kind of corridor led but he knew and that's kind of what baptism is for us it's a, it's an adoption into this family that we get to be a part of it isn't so we can put chains on the door and keep us in and whoever the them is out but it's an open door that invites people in to celebrate in this party we call the faith the next one acceptance now you may think well belonging is a gift acceptance that's kind of the, the same thing. 
Well, they are similar, but we can belong to something without necessarily being accepted. Anybody ever been part of a team or part of a group where you didn't really feel like you were accepted, but you technically belonged? Anybody? Right? You were the scrub or the second team or whatever it might, might have been. Yep. Right. What's that? Oh, I thought I heard an amen back out there. Okay, never mind. So acceptance is something also that God gives us as a gift. In the waters of baptism, we, aren't, we are changed, we are washed, we are buried with Christ in his death. So all of our sin is put to death, that old Adam, that old Eve. And we're raised to new life, we're raised as a new creation. But we still are who we are. And God accepts us for who we are. Now, certainly there are things that we do, and there may be even, for, for some folks, I know I've been part of adult baptisms. It's been a powerful experience where there's been kind of this real sense of turning around and turning to a, a new and different way of life. And there are things that really do tangibly need to be put to death in their lives in order to give them life in Christ. But God accepts us for who we are, warts and all. God doesn't ask us to change or or somehow be different in some way. I used to argue that point with my mom when she would want me to dress up for church, right? I wanted to wear my cool clothes, my normal clothes as a teenager. So, and one of the funnier experiences was, for some reason in the 80s, I guess, the kind of the, we called them clam digger pants, right? I think those were popular with women in the 60s. But anyway, they were popular with guys, or at least I thought they were in the 80s, and then wearing shoes, and then wearing shoes without socks, and so I would want to wear those to church, and I would kind of argue with my mom, and usually I would win. And then my dad would say that would, would see me, and he'd, he'd say this. He'd say, hey, our acolyte didn't show up. I need you to wear the acolyte robe. Now, it's kind of weird when you're wearing an acolyte robe and pedal pushers or clam diggers or whatever pants you want to call them, and then no socks and shoes. It sort of looks like you just have the robe on. So that was always odd. But, but God accepted me anyway for who I was, right? Well, the next gift, and one of the most incredible gifts, I, I especially think in this reading from Luke, is presence. And presence is God's presence with us. One of the things we talk about in our faith is that it's, our faith isn't an idea, it isn't an ideology, it isn't a philosophy, it's, it's a lived experience, it's, it's real. And we know that because God has actually come to us in Jesus Christ. I We'll argue again, that's what's unique about our faith. And so one of the gifts that we're given in baptism is that God is truly, truly present with us. We see that, of course, in communion as well, in, the, in these sacraments, these two sacraments that we have, that God is truly with us. Not symbolically, not in any other way, but truly physically with us. And so as we go through life, there will be times when we feel very alone. There will be times when we feel forsaken. Even Jesus himself from the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, but even in those moments, we are not alone. We are not forsaken. We cannot be. The one thing we can, we may be able to dry off the water or shake off the water from our baptism, but we cannot shake God God stays with us and is a constant with us. All of this kind of leads to one of the last gifts of baptism, and that is 
love. Because to be accepted, to belong, to uh, have a presence that never goes away, to be forgiven, is to be loved. And really that becomes kind of a summary for all of these gifts. But we know even from the scriptures how important love is to God. Anybody have an idea how many times love is mentioned in the Bible? Take a stab. Take a louder stab. I can't hear you. <laughs> you at home. No. <laughs> Write it down. Send it in now. 541 times. There are a lot of things that we talk about that the scriptures say. There are a lot of hot topics that we maybe like to debate. But 541 times love is talked about in the scriptures. It might just be that this is an important thing for God. And, and the love that we receive is that unconditional love. It's a well of love that's, that just continues to flow and overflow. That gets poured into our lives. And that leads to that last gift, and that is our vocation. We are called. Vocatio means to call or to call out. We are called, and much better than a job, although hopefully a job is like a calling, like those folks who say, I've never worked a day in my life, right? I've been doing what I was made to do. But we are called then to live out what we have received so that others experience the gifts that we have experienced, that we can be part of creating that culture of forgiveness, that we can be reaching out to those who feel on the outside and do not belong, those who are not accepted, those who are feeling alone. We get to proclaim these promises. All of us get to be preachers, if you will. So that faith in God and Jesus Christ isn't this idea again or this philosophy. It is a trust in actual, real promises and the actual, real presence of God. Baptism claims us as a preacher. All of these gifts are received through the gift of faith. But yes, even that is a gift. We don't accept our baptism. Oftentimes we baptize infants. Why do we do that? To, to show that this is truly a gift that is given. It's a gift that will be received by Mackenzie in the second service. It is a gift that many of us, if not all of us, who are sitting here and viewing at home have received. And it is a gift that sticks with us for life. Jesus is baptized with the people, present with us. And as he comes out of those waters, he hears, you are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. So let us hear today, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, my beloved, I love you. And let us proclaim that message of joy, of peace, forgiveness, love, belonging, acceptance, presence, and vocation. Speaking of constant presence, this song was requested over a year ago, and uh, <laughs> here we are finally getting to sing it. It was requested back when we were reciting the hymn of the day as poetry. Do you remember those days? Ah. God was still present even in that, and uh, will be forever. <laughs> 